We're going to talk about dysfunction, and today we're going to talk about family. And I'm going to take you through kind of a journey and a story of a guy who we're going to talk about, because here's the truth about all of us, if we were to be honest. Everyone, every single living, breathing person, every single family has dysfunction. Furthermore, every single relationship has dysfunction. It exists, it's real, and most of the time, when dysfunction kind of enters the fray and you, it kind of creeps into who we are and what we do, when dysfunction enters into our families and our relationships, we tend to go, I gotta step back from this. This is too dysfunctional for me. This is too much for me to deal with. So we choose at times to kind of even not stay in these relationships. So um, my family had a family reunion uh, this past March um, in Walt Disney World for my grandparents' 60th anniversary. It was really cool. I said to my family, hey, I'll put together the accommodations. I'll kind of organize everything. I'll get everybody all squared away. I'll get everybody all set. So my grandmother, she's now 80. I called her and I was like, grandma, I'm going to get your room for you. We're going to set you up. I said, but here's the deal. It's going to be a little bit more expensive than it will be in a couple of weeks because she's a Florida resident, and Florida resident pricing has not come out yet. She said, okay, but Grandma did not remember that she said okay. So she took it upon herself to go ahead and call Walt Disney World two weeks later to get her own Florida resident pricing because she kind of got one of those little flyers in the mail that said, hey, this is out, you're a Florida resident. So she called in herself and spoke to somebody. And sure enough, Florida resident pricing had come out just like I told her it was going to be. And so she saw the price, and it was cheaper than what I told her it was going to be. So she calls my mom, who lives in Florida as well, and she says, Hey, I think your son's trying to rip me off. So my mom calls me, and she goes, Hey, are you trying to rip Grandma off? I said, Mother. I said, I work at a church, and I'm just trying to help her plan this. What is wrong? And she's like, well, she's claiming that you're charging her too much money. You're going to pocket the rest. I said, you've got to be kidding me. Here's the point. Even if it's a big thing or a little thing, every family's dysfunctional. Every family's got stuff. That was my grandmother, my 81-year-old grandmother. So I called her up. I said, Grandma, just so you know, I am not in the business of trying to rip you off for another $30. She's like, okay, because I was concerned, okay? But here's the deal. There's just dysfunction related to families. And most families, even if you look out at other families, let's say you think your family's dysfunctional. If you look at other families, like from a distance, you tend to think at times, hey, they seem to have it all together. They seem to actually know what they're doing. I, I would want to be like that family. Allow me to tell you something. They don't have it together. Every single family that has ever existed is dysfunctional. It just happens on a large scale, on a small scale. It is what it is. So today, we're going to talk about family. And it's an important day to talk about family, right? Because it's Mother's Day. And every single person in this room has a mom. So you can relate to this in some way. You can relate to what we're talking about today. And as we talk about family, and as we go through the next three weeks, we're going to kind of go on a journey and look at a story of a guy in the very ancient scripture. In fact, it's from the first book in the very ancient scripture. This guy is thousands of years old, and he's one of my favorite people all in all of the scripture. He's, his story is fascinating from start to finish. And that guy's name is Joseph. Joseph is not the guy who was Jesus's earthly father that we're going to talk about today, but Joseph is the guy who lived so long ago and has one of the most complex and interesting stories in human history. And so um, you might know or be familiar with this guy. How might you be familiar with him even if you're not a church person and have never engaged with church and you're new around here and you're learning and picking stuff up? 
This is the guy in the Broadway musical, Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Okay? The only thing that's different in the musical versus the scripture is there's no wig master and champagne coolies in the scripture. But in the musical, if you are a Seinfeld fan, you get that. If you are not a Seinfeld fan, you don't. So you Google that later because that's pretty funny. And those of you who are, I can tell. And furthermore, we kind of like thought that like, we were kind of like the Downtown Harbor Church. We were kind of like the musical Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And here's what we thought. If you've seen the show, you know the show starts with a narrator, right, who comes out and introduces uh, him or herself to the audience based on the casting. And that person really kind of takes you on a journey through the entire show. And we're like, we have that at Downtown Harbor Church. We got that guy, John, who comes up here in the beginning and does the announcements. The difference between the narrator and the announcements here is that the narrator is actually good, right? The announcements here are brutal, right? We know this, but here's the point. We're kind of similar. Okay, if you're new around here, we rip on the announcements. It's just what we do, just to kind of lighten the mood and have fun. We are going to talk about Joseph today. So if you have a scripture with you or you want to look it up on your phone, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 37. If you don't, no worries, it's going to be on the screen. So here's what we want to do as we go through this. I'm going to kind of stop and unpack some details and tie this back into how this relates to your family and how this relates to, don't miss this, your relationships. That's so important to understand. So in Genesis 37, it begins and it says, this is the account of Jacob and his family. Jacob was Joseph's father. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. Hey, seems pretty normal. Things to be going. There's a guy, some kids, Jacob's, or Joseph's out in the field, tending the flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives. I did not misstate that. The sons of his father's wives. So we already have dysfunction beginning to creep in. There's multiple spouses here. Uh, the wives, I don't know that I could ever have more than one. I don't want to because I, you know, I, one is great for me. And so anyway... But he's like dealing with, she's downstairs, I'm glad I didn't say that at the first service, right? Okay, but he's dealing with this, like his father's wives, okay, Bilhah and Zilpah, okay, they live over on Andrews Avenue, I think, I don't know if you ever heard of them, but those are those names. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. So you have this 17-year-old kid helping in the fields, and he is kind of what I would call tattling from time to time on his brothers. So you already have a very unique circumstance. And it's about, it's about to get more dysfunctional. It's about to get a lot worse. So Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. Yikes. Because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a speech or a special gift made for Joseph. It was a beautiful robe. That's the coat that they talk about in Joseph and the amazing Technicolor dream coat. So Jacob loved Joseph more than anybody else. That's who he loved, okay? And he said, here, what I'm going to do, forget about your brothers. They all know that I love you more than them. I'm going to give you a gift as well. Seen, this gift seen most famously on this man, okay? This was, okay, you guys have seen this probably, okay? This is seen most famously by Warren by Cosmo Kramer, regardless of that and that kind of funny. Here's what I want you to know about that text in the scripture. And Jacob showing Joseph more love than his other sons and bestowing upon him a special gift. This is all kind of bad. This is all kinds of not good. 
This is all kinds of things that are going to lead to dysfunction. And this is all kinds of things that are just going to lead to family destruction. You have a father who is loved and admired by his children, picking one of them over the rest of them. That's just all kind of bad. The problem with that is, is that in a way, we all deal with that. And if you're a parent in the room, you deal with that. And if I could tell you when I was a volunteer and I had my first small group, I dealt with that. You know what I dealt with? Here was the thing. You have connections with some people in your family that are just closer than other people. That's the reality. You just connect with this child more. This child, it's, it's real. But what you have to do is kind of let those emotions internalize and realize that that will lead you to something that you should do and should not do. We think you should play favorites, but don't play favorites. This is a really complicated statement because Jacob, his father, had a love for his son Joseph. That was normal and natural because he was very special to him. But when you have that internally and you show it externally, it's completely different. It's normal for every person to just go, I connect with this person differently. So you should play favorites, but don't play favorites. And here's why you should not play favorites. Let me show you what this did in the eyes and hearts of Joseph's other brothers. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Meaning, this led to the beginning of the most dysfunctional like situation that we're going to talk about in just a little bit. They couldn't even say a kind word to him. The scripture says they hated Joseph. They hated him. This is how bad it was for this family in this scenario. This was about to get super ugly. Now, that I've set the stage for the family, there's a facet of Joseph that we have not talked about yet because Joseph had a gift. Joseph had an ability that many of us don't have. Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph dreamt and could see things before they happened. Joseph could actually dream into the future and see what was going on. Joseph had this special ability that I don't have and you probably don't have. But what he did was he started dreaming these things and then things started coming true. So people started to listen to him. But let me tell you, and this is such an interesting thing to like research during the week. Some people say to us, hey, I want to do some more during the week. What can I do? Google the dreams in Genesis 37 that Joseph had and kind of watch the analysis of them because they're fascinating. But basically, the dreams that he had said this. He said to his brothers, hey, I was dreaming. I saw this in the future. You all, eventually, you're going to bow down to me. If you have a sibling especially a younger one, think about your reaction if that person came up to you and said, hey, listen, I know that you really already don't like me and because dad likes me better than you and I get the gifts, and, but here's the truth and the fact of the matter. At some point in time, in the fairly near future, you all are going to bow down to me and kiss my feet. How would that make you feel? I can only imagine my sister Lauren, who's my youngest sister, and she's listening to these from time to time. If you can just hear this, Lauren, you're an instigator and you know it, okay? It's just a fact of the matter, right? But I can just imagine her coming up to me and saying, hey, listen, at some point in time in the future, you're going to bow down to me and I'm going to be in charge of you. I don't know how that would go over with me. My little runt of a brother who already tattles to dad on me, who dad likes more than me, has given him a 
eloquent, special gift, and now you're telling me that at some point in time I'm going to bow to you? I don't think so, Holmes, right? That's what my reaction would be. You Really? You sure? So sure enough, there comes a point in time in the story where Jacob has sent the other brothers to do something kind of far away. And then Joseph is to go meet his brothers to kind of help them with this task, okay? And I want you to watch what just seedlings of dysfunction can do to a family. It says, but while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Let me tell you something. You make plans to kill someone, you make plans to murder someone, you've probably been thinking about it for a while, right? You've probably been thinking about it for a long time. So they were so frustrated and so angry about what was going on, and they had this moment when their dad wasn't around, and they're like, you know what? Now here he comes. Let's kill him. Come on. Let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But then when Reuben, one of his brothers, heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. He said, nah, let's not kill him. We don't need any blood on our hands. Why should we shed any blood? I got a better idea. Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. So basically, he can die of lack of thirst and starvation. That's a better idea. This is dysfunction at its finest. This is potentially the worst possible scenario for a family. Like, this should be on the Bill Cunningham show, right? If you don't know who Bill Cunningham, like, if you don't know who Bill Cunningham is, like, it's Jerry Springer, like, worse. Like, I, I, they don't have it down here. I can only watch it when I go on business to Atlanta, the Bill Cunningham show. He's a great guy, right? But here's the truth, okay? This is dysfunction at its finest. And as we think about this family, I want you to start thinking about your family. As we talk about this guy and his kids, I want you to think about you and your spouse, if you're not married, your relationship, and your parents, and your kids. And here's what I want you to know, because it's so important for us to understand the context of this message and how it applies to our lives. Your family is probably dysfunctional. In fact, let me change this. Your family is dysfunctional. Every single family that has ever lived is. Your family is probably dysfunctional. You have your issues. You deal with your stuff. I deal with my stuff. You have your own set of circumstances that are only yours. Your family, those people, don't miss this, those people who you have chosen to be with if you're married, but everybody else is your blood and you had no choice whether they are in your life or not. These people who are family, who are the only people to show up in our life not by choice, your family's probably dysfunctional. But your family probably hasn't plotted your murder. But your family probably hasn't schemed about your murder. And if they have, and that's your, circ that's your circumstance, like we'll have a cup of coffee, we'll work that out, we'll talk through some forgiveness things that probably need to roll on. But I mean, here's the deal, here's, here's the truth. 
Your family is probably dysfunctional in its own ways. And there are things that are coming to your mind right now, like about your extended family and your immediate family, and you know when holidays come, and you have to see these people, or maybe you have to interact with these people. You know what goes on. You know what happens, right? But your family probably hasn't plotted your murder. So, with another set of circumstances, as Joseph is down in the cistern, they decide to do something else. And here it is. So, when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. Let me, let me tell you what this means. Let me put this in perspective and put this out there so you can understand this. They sold him as a slave. The worst form of human treatment ever. You become someone's property. You become, you own someone. They did that. They said, you know what? If we're going to throw him down there anyway, if we're going to throw him down there so he has to die from thirst and starvation anyway, we might as well just make a few bucks on it. We might as well, you know, put some money in our pockets. Why not? So they sold him for 20 pieces of silver. Do you see how messed up this is, right? So here's what I want you to know. Your family's probably dysfunctional. Your family is dysfunctional. But your family probably hasn't attempted to sell you into slavery. Right? And if they have, we'll have a conversation, right? We'll talk about whatever that looks like. But your family probably hasn't attempted to sell you into slavery. You're dysfunctional in some way, because we all are. So the story continues, and the story goes on. And it says, Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood, that beautiful, colorful robe that his father gave to him. Joseph, actually, they, they sold him as a slave, 20 pieces of silver, knew that they were going to have to face dad again someday. So they, what do we do? Let's make up a lie. Okay? Dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? His family all tried to comfort him, Jacob, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning my son, he would say, and then he would weep. Here's what I want you to think about for a second. Joseph, the golden boy, the guy who was a dreamer, squealed on his brothers. His father loved him more, gave him this beautiful coat. Brothers come up with a scheme to kill him, then to let him die in a well, and then to sell him into slavery. And they finally sell him as a slave, and they take him to Egypt. It's dysfunction. And you have a man who loves his son so much, and he cannot control his emotions. If you're a parent, you've pondered that day. You've pondered that day where something happens to one of your kids. You know what that's like to go through emotionally because you think through it. Maybe some of you have even been through it. And it's uncontrollable. Let me talk about this family for a second, the family of Jacob and his sons and Joseph. This is a family that is documented in the most famous book of all time, in the ancient scripture as an example almost to the rest of us for life. 
This family is dysfunctional at its finest. And here's the truth. So often we've been told about family that a typical family or a true family is a family that you see in one of those picture frames at Target where it's a mom and a dad and two kids and they're all smiling and we've been told that's what you need to look like. But if you actually go back into the scripture and the text, nobody's like that. Nobody is like that. And as you think about your own family here today, and you know what, today is Mother's Day, and that day is just a special day in so many of our lives and has meaning for all of us differently. But you know what I know about that day compared to every one of us in the way that we think? It causes us to ponder. It causes us to reflect. It causes us to think more. It, call, it causes us to pick up the phone if we haven't picked up the phone. It causes us to be close to our family, maybe even for a, a day, but it causes us to think just a little bit differently. Here's what I want you to know about family. That it's time to understand that your family is not perfect. It's time to understand that if that's an example of a family that we can look at in the ancient scripture, it's time to understand that your family isn't perfect. And I want you to know this. Every family, every family is dysfunctional in some way. Every family is dysfunctional in some way. So I just zone in with me. So many times when we think about our family or we think about our closest relationships, whether that's a husband or a wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, we think that when dysfunction enters, that the thing to do is to run. The thing to say is this can't ever be right. This can't ever work. It's too far gone for us to fix. And so often we make issues out of things that aren't even issues. We, go, we make issues of the small stuff. And here's what I want you to know. Every family, every relationship is dysfunctional in some way. It is. Your Aunt Betty has way too much to drink at Thanksgiving. It happens, right? My Aunt Betty does. Well, you know, she doesn't. I'm just kidding. But here's, here's the truth. You have things that go on in your life that are dysfunctional. And you don't like it, so you're like, I want to pull back and get out of this. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Here's what I want you to know. Your family is probably not as bad as you think they are. It's time to make things right. That is not easy. That is potentially the most difficult thing that you will ever, ever do. Because we're human beings and people fail and people screw up. And our first reaction is generally to what? To run, to pull back, to say, we can't make this right. Your family is not as dysfunctional as the one I just talked about. Not possible. There is not a Netflix series about you in this room. It's just, there, there isn't one. But you're probably dysfunctional. And your family is probably not as bad as you think they are. It's time to make things right. Pick up the phone, go talk to somebody, go schedule a cup of coffee and make it right with whoever you need to make it right with. And here's what I'll tell you, even as you go and try to do that, don't miss this, it may not work. The other person on the other end may not reciprocate, may not be interested. It's okay, never give up, never stop trying. Always pursue and always try to make things right. Why? Because Jesus the only human incarnation of God to ever walk the face of the earth said the most important thing that you could ever do is love your neighbor as yourself. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. You know who I can think is the closest neighbors in my life? Family. Those people who should mean the most. Those people who oftentimes we think can never be right with because they've crossed me. They've stepped on me. They've done something I don't approve of. They've done something I don't agree of. Don't. Look at this story of Joseph and his family. Those of you who know the story know and in the end, he's redeemed. If you don't, we're going to talk about that in the next few weeks. So maybe you need to call your brother. Maybe you need to send a text to your aunt. Maybe, maybe you're estranged from someone who's in your life. You need to just do whatever you can to make that right, even if the answer on their end is no. Maybe you're in a relationship. It's a marriage or you're dating or whatever it is, and something has gone stupid and wrong, and you know what? You think that this is the end, and we're never going to make it right. Joseph and his family prove that even in the worst of circumstances, worse than you are dealing with right now, you can make it right. So, Caitlin and I were on vacation in Hawaii, and this was a couple. This about a month ago, and I was scrolling through my Facebook feed, and I saw a video from my second cousin. He and his wife were in front of an iPhone, and um, they were talking about how they were on vacation in Florida, and he had been having some motor issues on his left side. He was kind of walking into things and stumbling into things and couldn't use his hands. It was weird when he was typing. And all of a sudden, his face kind of started to droop, and he didn't know what was happening. They actually kind of thought he might have been having a stroke. So they were actually on vacation here, not in Fort Lauderdale, but in Florida, with some friends of theirs. They were medical professionals, and they told him, they said, Benny, you should go to the emergency room and get that checked out. He did. Stage four, brain tumor the size of a golf ball, geoblastoma. He doesn't have long to live. We don't know how long he has. He's going to seek treatment. I haven't seen him in 15 years. It's 18 years. I don't know him. But you see this stuff on social media, and it just hits home with your family. And you know what I thought? You know what he's probably going through, and they're probably going through right now? I gotta make things right with some people. This is the worst set of circumstances I've ever been in. I gotta make things right. Don't miss this. At Downtown Harbor Church, I don't want that moment to have to wake us up to make things right with the people that we should. Because Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself and it's the most important thing that you will ever do. Don't wait for that moment. Don't wait for the worst. Don't wait for that to happen. Make it right. Do it. I rarely, rarely stand up on this stage with a challenge for you all because I know God works in the hearts of his people who are here and you all are going to respond accordingly. But I'm going to tell you something right now from the bottom of my heart. And I'm talking to myself in the same breath. If this is you, go from here, pick up the phone, send a text, do whatever you have to do. Don't give up. These are your neighbors. Jesus said, love them as you love yourself. Do it. Everything, everything is on the line. Your family is probably not as bad as you think they are. It's time. Make it right. Let me pray for us. Dear God, we are so thankful for who you are and what you do. We're so thankful for the many blessings you give us, and we celebrate today life 
We celebrate people in this room who are moms. We celebrate our own moms. Thank you so much for just allowing us to reflect and have this day to just be with each other, to be with you. So God, the story of Joseph, the story of Joseph's family and how dysfunctional they were is an important one for us to realize and understand because our circumstances are not that. But oftentimes, we think they're bigger than that. So God, we ask that you would bless our efforts as we do whatever we can to make things right. Some of our circumstances are very small, some of them are very big, but we pray that you would work powerfully through our relationships so that if we need to, we can restore them. We ask that of you, and you would allow this story of a family that lived so long ago be an example to us as how to function and live and be redeemed. And we pray this today all in Jesus' name. Amen.